0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> serving up today's top sports stories with Wolfen Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination.
1: All
2: right, it is noon on a Thursday. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer is in for Wolf. It's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron.
3: So the Phoenix Suns started slow and failed to recover as they lost to the Hawks last night, 132 to 100. So, what did DeAndre Eaton say after the game?
4: Here he is. You know, a lot of guys um putting their heads down and stuff like that, but uh, no, I, I seen good in it. I seen us not deflate the when they were making tough shots and when they were on their run and you know making a bunch of noise. And you know, the road trip is going to be even harder where he's on their home floor. And I just love how we kept our intent on just you know just playing together and you know finishing the job.
3: Did you find any good in last night's game?
2: No, no, but I mean but sometimes you need a guy like DA and obviously he's seeing the game a little bit differently. He knows, you know, he knows if guys were still going all out during the game. It Watching the game, it just looked like Atlanta couldn't miss, right. and the Suns weren't defending the three all that well either. That didn't help, and, and obviously the Suns couldn't hit a shot, and so a, a guy in the locker room is going to have a better feel on the vibe of the team during the game. But as far as watching the game, there wasn't a whole lot of good. I was trying to convince myself, like, yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where, like, if they go on a 14-0 run here, they're still losing by 20, so no, nothing good.
1: Well, what was the run at one point? 22-3, I think it was, something yeah, like that. So Yeah, blacked in the and, middle of it. Yeah, the 32-point loss that was over four at one point. Uh, you really have to search. Really have to search to find anything good, and I think that's what DA was doing. He was searching.
3: The Phoenix Suns are getting closer to being near hole again, as Devin Booker may return as soon as Tuesday night against the Brooklyn Nets. Is this exactly what the Suns need at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean, Booker, whenever, and we talked about this earlier, I don't, I, I don't, not only do I not want to rush him back, I kind of want, like, okay, he's ready to come back, and now let's give him an additional week off. The big The biggest thing to me is I want the team in full playing together for about 20 games before the start of the playoffs. And, and, you know, there's going to be change with the trade deadline, whether that is simply trading Jay Crowder away for a bench guy or if there's more to it. But, Howard, I just I want I don't want the Suns thinking like, hey, the Warriors flipped the switch last year. So, you know, around uh, game 80, 78, maybe we'll get our team together and we'll be ready. Golden State's done this before. The Suns have not.
1: No, that's a big point. And but, yeah, I mean, it should be it, it should be what the doctor ordered uh, certainly you obviously hope that he can come right in. He had to think he's not going to be on the crazy minute play that he normally has right out the box. But we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. But he should obviously give this this team a lift, and this is what everyone's been waiting for ever since that month evaluation was put out there. That's what everybody has been pointing towards, not only on the outside but probably the inside too.
3: So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks: The Suns played their last home game before the trade deadline. So, how different will they look when they return? Your choices multiple new starters, one new starter, new bench pieces, or exactly the same?
2: Well, Ooh. they're not going to have multiple no. new starters. That would be crazy. You know, they're not going to look exactly the same either. I, <laughs> you better trade Jay Crowder. So it's got to be either one new starter or just new bench pieces.
1: Yeah, it could be a combination, and because a bench piece certainly can play a lot of minutes, and that that can be that can be key, obviously, for any team. I don't know that it'll be a lot of change. I don't think it'll be exactly the same, but you know who's who knows? I mean, it's. Everyone just thinks, oh, trading deadline, make a deal. Everything's going to be great. But, you know, who will that guy be? You just you just don't know. But hopefully there'll be something there that'll give a lift to this you team. What, I'm actually
2: going to say one new starter. Just in listening to, to James Jones, and that would be significant. Just some I, of the,
1: the way And whose spot does he take?
2: Well, and that that's—I want the clarification of, like, let's say it's O.G. Ananobi and he and Cam Johnson are— because ba- they're basically going to be splitting at that point, right? Or maybe you go small and D.A. doesn't play as much. I just, I'm going to say somebody in the top six. Okay. I'm going to qualify it that way because you may just get somebody that plays significant minutes in this rotation. It kind of feels like he's like James Jones wants to do that. We'll play some of the audio from him uh coming
3: up next segment. So thirty seven percent say exactly the same, thirty-seven percent say new bench pieces, twenty-one percent say one new starter, six percent say multiple new starters. The Arizona Cardinals head coaching search continues as they will have Bengals OC Brian Callahan in today for an interview. So will the Cardinals next head coach from this new wave of interviews? So they had Brian Callahan today, Lou Anarumo yesterday, and Mike Kafka on Tuesday. So what do you guys think?
2: I think Anarumo is is, uh, is interesting. You know, I, the more the more we talk about this, the more it's it's not Sean Payton that bothers me. It's it's a, the Dan Quinn got away because he didn't have to give up picks for Dan Quinn either. And and Brian Flores, I feel like is is slipping away. Maybe they don't want him. Maybe he doesn't necessarily want this job because it would be his second job. And if things didn't work out here, he might not get a third ever. Um, so if it's gonna be somebody that doesn't have head coaching experience, and I hate even saying that. <laughs> back but if it has to be that, Lou Anarumo is is probably the most interesting to
1: me. I think that you have to throw Aaron Glenn into this. There's a sense, at least, that he's really on the Cardinals' radar. There's also been some reports that there won't even be second interviews of guys. You're running out of a little bit of time here. Seems like he might get one, though, if they have one. That's what Jocina Anderson was saying earlier today. I think Glenn could be in the mix. I'll tell you, the guy who intrigues me is Kafka, because everything I've heard about him, people talking about him, of Now, this is as an offensive coach. I mean, I don't know what that means in terms of being a head coach, because there's a big projection there, as Lowe was saying, as we all know. But Kafka is a guy that really, really intrigues me from what I've heard people talk about him and just what what a great offensive coach he is. And I, I think he might end up being a surprise pick, but, you know, we'll see.
3: So we learned yesterday that Tom Brady retired from the NFL. So... Should the NFL retire the number 12 for every team? (laughs) Oh,
1: wow. Have they. Are there any numbers that the NFL has retired for every team? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. I, I don't think that that has happened. And I would say I, no. I, I, w- I would say no too. I don't think that's I don't think that's disrespect to Tom Brady. No, it's not. I, just, I mean, hey, the guy's a great player. There's no way we, we talked about all that. Nobody's going to forget but, Tom Brady. No, exactly. You don't have to retire his number. Should we start? Should we then maybe let's retire Jim Brown's number and go back in time about him and some other guys? No, come on. I mean,
2: I just used the the example that. <laughs> They have not retired Michael Jordan's number in the NBA, right? So there right. you go. Right. That's, that's pretty much, that's a yeah, that's good enough for me.
3: ASU head football coach Kenny Dillingham was on Burns and Gambo yesterday and expressed his excitement about the future. I can't really comment
0: on uh, any prospect right now, uh, but I can comment about that today is a great day to be a Sun Devil. Uh, this is a, a place that we are changing the perception of this place because I know what this place can be, and uh, we're heading in the right direction.
3: What are your realistic expectations for ASU next season under Kenny Dillingham's first year's head coach?
2: Would so they play eight home games, four on the road? I don't have the schedule in front of me. Um... But as
1: far as win loss, I don't know. I mean, I'd... seven, seven and five is that? It might be. It's, I it... mean, a key, a key will be what you do in your non-conference games. Yeah, obviously. And if you can do really well there, then... I, I guess the thing is how many conference games would be realistic to win? And uh, is that two? Is it three? Is it more? I mean, the conference isn't that strong. So maybe some of the teams that are kind of bottom dwellers that have been bottom dwellers with with ASU that, that they can beat so I think that'll that that'll be even a bigger key is can, can you go 500 in the conference if they do then I think they've got a chance for at least a, a really competitive record
2: so your non-conference is southern Utah Oklahoma State and Fresno State all at home I'm gonna assume you beat southern Utah I'm gonna assume you lose to Oklahoma State ironically that was one of their better games they played last year Oklahoma State doesn't have Spencer Sanders anymore but I mean it's still Oklahoma State I don't know it's seven and five normally it would be a disappointment but if it's seven and five and there's momentum building right then and who knows I mean it, it's tough to project because we don't know how Kenny Dillingham coaches as a head coach in game yet we just know he seemingly is able to build a team pretty well
1: right and it's the whole staff too I mean we all we all focus on the head coach which obviously is important but there's a lot of coaching obviously that's done by the staff and and that's that those are all things that everybody's gonna be learning about each other when and when they hit the field and And a couple months for Spring Bowl. All
2: right, that was Wolf and your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron, as always. When we come back, the Suns could not get the win against the Hawks last night. Suns GM James Jones weighed in on the current roster, plus an OGN and OB deal uh, that was proposed that doesn't involve Cam Johnson. So I'm interested. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports
0: leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I asked this
2: question last week, and I got laughed at, Howard, and it was only just you know, half-jokingly, but now it doesn't seem quite as ridiculous. Are we going to get a Suns trade or a Cardinals coach first? Because the trade deadline for the Suns is in a week, so they're going to do something in
1: the next week. I don't know what's up with the Cardinals hiring a coach. And my sense is, as we get closer to Super Bowl week, here, obviously, in Arizona, that the Cardinals aren't going to be announcing a head coach during Super Bowl week. I might be wrong on that. I, don't, I might be wrong on that. But that might be something they don't want to do right in the middle of all this this other stuff. Or they so, want
2: to, you know, grab some headlines while everybody's perhaps. here. But I, I think at this but, point, it's it's weird because there's no... I don't want to say there's no sense of urgency because you'd like to have your staff together and like working on stuff, and you don't want other teams scooping up guys that you might use as an OC or quarterbacks coach or whatever. Like you, you do need to put this together. But now it's not the sense of urgency of like, oh, the guy we want another team's in on. You know, the only other team out there is the Colts. But um, over to basketball, there's a story on TSN talking about the Raptors and. just because that seems to be the epicenter for where trades are going to happen. that That is a team where if you want the Suns to be active here in the next week, probably worth keeping an eye on the Raptors because they are on a stretch here where they're hanging out outside of the, uh, the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference. And, and there's some belief that they're going to kind of see how these next few games play out in Toronto. And they lost again last night. If they can't, turn this around in the next three games at Houston, at Memphis, and home against San Antonio, they're going to they're gonna blow that team up. they got Fred Van Vliet, they got Scotty Barnes, they've got uh, you know Pascal Siakam, O.G. Ananobi, the, uh, Gary Trent Jr., and I know Gambo has shot down a couple of those guys, uh, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., as guys the Suns might be interested in. It doesn't seem like Siakam's getting dealt, but O.G. Ananobi's name keeps coming up, and I, I'm gonna reference a couple of these things real quick. The Ringer put out a, a piece the other day that was looking at teams that need to make a trade, right? And for the most part, when Ananobi's name comes up, people are like, I don't want to give up Cam Johnson. Their proposed trade was Phoenix gets Ananobi, you give up Jay Crowder, big deal, you give up Dario Saric, and you give up three unprotected first-round picks. That's a lot, um, but I would argue that at least the first two of those unprotected first-round picks are probably going to be in the 20s, to high That's 20s. That's what I
1: was going to say, yeah, might all three of them might be.
2: Yeah, you got to spread them out so that third one would be 2028, but you're still going to have Devin Booker basically in his prime then. I don't don't think you plan on being terrible in 2028, do you? I wouldn't think so. There's also this, uh, the TSN piece referenced. uh, I want to make sure I find the exact right line of this because this feels like one of those things that if you don't read it just right, uh, people are going to freak out. Um, TSN, basically the Canadian ESPN so that's who's looking closely at the Raptors there's a line in the story from today talking about you know, how are they going to potentially blow up the Raptors and there's a line in there that says Toronto was close to acquiring DeAndre Ayton from Phoenix in a sign and trade last summer according to a source perhaps there's a deal to be made with the Suns who are said to be one of Ananobi's many suitors so it's a lot of speculation it's piecing things together but Wolf and I have this debate a lot because he thinks there's going to be a demand for DA if they want to trade him. And I think that demand, when he got that contract, went way down. And to me, it's like if you get to the summer, you may be able to trade him to Indiana if you want to trade him. But Toronto is that other team because they have been linked to him in the past. And if you believe this story, it wasn't just linked. It was close to acquiring him in a trade last summer. I I don't know what the deal would be. To trade him, and that I, that's I don't think the he's key. getting dealt in the next week. I'm just probably more not. big
1: picture. Yeah, pro- probably not. And but every, everybody knows what Da is at this point. It doesn't mean that he's a bad player, obviously, but I don't know that he's ever going to be what people would would like him to be. If you know what I'm saying, and so it'll be interesting to see. But th- in terms of the immediate trading deadline, what is a week from today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so something's got to happen pretty quickly. So I I think there's a pretty good chance that there'll be a deal there. It doesn't mean it has to happen on deadline day, but we know a lot of times it does. But, yeah, I I, I, I have a feeling it'll be the Suns doing something before the Cardinals hire a coach. It
2: it really feels like, but the way this is going, the Suns are going to make a trade and the Cardinals are going to announce their new coach, like, Eight minutes later. <laughs> that's that's how it, it feels might like be. Everything's just going to pile up together on one like crazy Wednesday next week when Matt Ishby is also being introduced as the new owner
1: of the team. And, and the calendar now, Luke, is just so crazy because the Super Bowl is February twelfth, obviously, mm-hmm. and then the combine starts two weeks after that. The Tuesday, you know, it's two weeks and two days. Be nice to have after coach. that
2: would be nice to have a coach that isn't, like, getting into his office a day before right, the Combine. Right. Like, It'd be nice to get a
1: coach. Yeah, and, and, well, it's not only the coach, but then it's all... Because the assistants have a big part of, you know, what goes on at the Combine. And, obviously, watching players and all that. And, certainly, the personnel staff's a big part of it. I mean, heck, this week, I don't know where... Uh, is is Austin Ford in Mobile at the Senior Bowl? I don't know if he is or not. You'd think he's here being part of these interviews with coaches. And so... Certainly the Cardinals have scouts that are there and in Vegas for the East-West game. But, the, the, but you don't the, know
2: what you're scouting for completely yet because well, you don't that, know they, your they,
1: That's true. I mean, yeah. you're, getting, you're, you're getting a good feel for guys, so you don't know in terms of exactly right on that respect. But at least you're, you're, you're being able to be a part of it. But let's remember, too, all the guys that are doing that work are from the previous staff. Yeah, who might not even be here. Yeah, but, but and they probably will be here through the draft because the way those contracts are structured – Most of the time, there's not real significant changes of scouts and other player personnel people until after the draft because the contracts go through May 1st. So I would guess Dave Sears, the assistant director of college scouting is there. Or or I'm sorry, assistant general manager right now. He was the director of college scouting with with the Lions. So I'm sure he's there getting an eye on all these players and and probably meeting all these other scouts that Monty Ostenford hasn't even met yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So back to basketball,
2: James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday and he talked about Mikel Bridges and how it's not just, hey, Mikel's having a good season. He's putting up cool numbers. It's it's actually how it's impacting other pieces on this team.
4: I mean, I, I believe his mid-range game is, is has been like extremely impressive, and, and he's improved his balance. He's improved his timing. Um, you know, like you said, with his length, is very tough for for defenders to to challenge him, uh, to disrupt him. Uh, but he's playing with confidence, and, and you never know when it finally clicks for a player. You know, you'd like to think that you would know, and you know, but what mikhail has been doing has been the result of in some. Some of it is just his will um, and then circumstance. He's been forced over the last couple of weeks to take those tough shots. He's been cur- encouraged to, to push his
2: boundaries. He's accepted and he's excelled. I want to see what he does, Howard, when Book comes mm-hmm. back. We had the quote from DA the other day saying, you know, basically running Book's plays for Mikel Bridges right now because, you know, just out of necessity. And when Booker comes back, they're obviously his plays. But... You hear a quote like that from a GM and sometimes it's like, Oh, okay. You know, they must see it and practice that confidence or whatever. Maybe you see it on a player too. Offensively, Mikel Bridges, that was the only bright spot of that game last night was like the first half. He just, if he has the ball and there's a shot to take, he's just taking it. And that wasn't the case. And he's making it most of the time too. That's the other thing. Anybody can just take the shot. Um, he does. He looks, he looks twice as assertive offensively as he did two months ago when everybody started getting hurt.
1: Yeah, and I think that, and Booker obviously, he sees that, and and he realizes, as everyone does, that you have to develop more scoring potential from other players besides him. And and you also are going to have that adjustment period when he comes back that he, he's not going to be playing 38, 40. You wouldn't think playing a huge number of minutes per game. and so, But you also don't want it to get to the point where all of a sudden Bridges is... Quote back to the way he was, still a good player, but you you want that scoring because there's going to be those nights where where Booker doesn't have it. There's going to be those nights where he's not hot or whatever, and that's where someone else has to step up, and and that's that that's a good sign, and and hopefully it continues that way.
2: We've seen on this team too. Um, there are nights where Devin Booker doesn't have it, but usually the night where he, when he doesn't have it is he doesn't have it for the first quarter. And so if somebody else can step up and and you hang around to the second half for sure, then he probably has it by then. The problem is some of these games where they, like last night, I mean, he wasn't out there, but these games where they lose by like 30 or 40, Booker doesn't have it in the first quarter, they're now by 27 at halftime, and then it's like just having it won't be enough in the second half, right? Uh, here's more from James Jones talking about the bench players. You know, you're, you always
4: have to prove that you belong. Um, we know who our established starters are. We know who, who you know, we're, we're, we're down Devin. Uh, but when he comes back, you know who carries us. So for the rest of our guys, and we're always challenging them every night. Go into the game, prove that you belong. You know, show people that you deserve the minutes that you're getting. And, and even if you haven't earned them, you know, keep them by playing well.
2: You can you can see that last night. It's weird to have James Jones have that conversation. I was distracted by the headline on the uh, on one of the TVs talking about Kyler Murray. But we can get into that in a little bit. It's not like breaking news or anything. Um, you can see that, though, with some of these guys that like a, like a Damian Lee in particular. OK, you got these minutes. Maybe you didn't expect to have these minutes, but you have them. You don't want to give them up. You know when when the when the starting lineup is complete and everybody's back and you've got your your original starting five, you're going to be giving up some of those minutes. But you want to make sure that any that you're getting, you're just you're clinging on to. And I think Damian Lee's one of those guys that has really done the best job of that. One more from James Jones on Chris Paul's return last night was really his first game since he came back where he wasn't a huge factor. Chris can carry a team, but that's not when Chris is at his best. Chris is at his best when he's facilitating. And he's doing what he
4: did late in that game, making big shots. And prior to that, you know, it was make timely shots, but make sure that the ball got to the people uh, at the right times and the right spots so that the flow continues. Because we know when, when the game gets close, our guy's going to look for Devin and Chris.
2: Last night's a tough game to look at individual stats right. because nobody was nobody. Really playing in the fourth quarter. Four for twenty eight on threes. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's the only stat you need. Four for twenty eight in the other team. What was it? You said they had forty five more points if you hit the three. In the three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> but, mean uh, nineteen Atlanta was
1: nineteen for thirty three on threes.
2: Chris Paul was averaging right around 22 points, right around right about 10 and a half in assists 10, in his first five games back. Last night he had three points and three assists. So look, last look night at this, was look at this an outlier.
1: The Hawks had more than half the points that the Sun had more than half the points on threes than the Suns had in the entire game. Yeah, at 57, the Suns of course scored a, scored 100. I mean, I know we got we got a break, but did you did you happen to notice the score of the uh, Boston Brooklyn game last night?
2: Uh, I watched some of the beginning of that because I'm always intrigued by um, by Kyrie Irving in Boston. But no, I didn't see the final. 139 to 96. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of those this year. Yeah. They're really it's they're, crazy. It's amazing how many. And, and, it, and I thought this watching the end of the Suns game last night. Like, you're a professional and you're really good if you're the Suns. You got to be somewhat embarrassed to be losing by 32, right? Like if I'm just sitting there on the bench watching the end of the game, I'm like, I'm not happy about this. But it does seem that everybody across the league is kind of immune to it now. Like I'm right. not surprised by that. Finally you're telling me where the Celtics beat Brooklyn by 39 or whatever that math is. Uh, more than that, I guess 43. 43, yeah. Um, because it's just kind of like, all right, well, we'll just get you next time. <laughs> there there seems to be this this new Mentality in the NBA of like, yeah, down by twenty-two in the third quarter. Okay, let's just lose by forty-five and doesn't be matter ready for next time. Yeah, because you got eighty-two games. Uh, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at six twenty-six twenty right now. When we come back, as the Cardinals' head coaching search continues. Could the answer be right in front of them? I know nobody wants to talk about Vance Joseph, and because of that, nobody's been talking about Vance Joseph. But we'll dive into that next, the pros and cons. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the Cardinals' head coaching search. Update. 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 All right, you want updates?
2: Here's another one mentioned the Josina Anderson tweet from earlier today that uh, Aaron Glenn may be getting a second look from the Cardinals here soon. Adam Schefter just tweeted out that Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen is scheduled to have his second head coaching interview with the Colts on Saturday. So,
1: maybe the Cardinals are not interested in him. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, the 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 Colts, I think, have had 14 people. I believe the number is on their list that they've interviewed, and I think they're down to, like, second interviews with four or five. So I would suspect that they're close to naming someone next week. Some of the reports have been that there's a split in the organization, that Jim Ursay is still gung-ho about hiring Jeff Saturday, and the general manager, Chris Ballard, is opposed to it. I don't know if that's going to create a little conflict in the organization, I'll just I'll just say this, in turn, a little bit of old school, Luke, is that if this would happen, obviously Jim say you know, the sins of the father are being visited upon the son, mm-hmm. because back in 1983, when John Elway said, "I'm not going to the Colts, don't draft me number one." And everyone was expected the, tr- the pick to be traded in time for the draft, but it wasn't. And the Colts selected him. And a week later, a week after the draft, that's when the Colts made the trade. It ended up being a horrible trade. And traded Elway to the Broncos. Really, they didn't get equal value back for John no, Elway? <laughs> no, they did not. They did not get equal value. And Robert, Ursay, say, of course, was the owner of the Colts back then. He made the deal himself. And the general manager at the time was a guy named Ernie Accorsi who quit.
2: Probably a, a good a, move, as yeah,
1: it turns as out. As soon as that happened, he said, I'm done here. I'm done. He ended up going to the Giants uh, as a general manager for, for a spell. Um, as far as the Cardinals side of things...
2: Got the list. I'm just, I'm just leaving it here in the studio at this point. So you got uh, Mike Kafka, you got Lou Anarumo, you got Brian Callahan, Brian Flores, Giro Evero, Aaron Glenn, Vance Joseph is the last name on here. Now there's other ones. I had Steichen on here as a potential maybe they look at, but if they if they can do it right now and they're not doing it, I guess not. Same with Eric Biennium. Max threw him out there, but they don't seem to be looking at those guys. We had uh, somebody write in, Steve Spagnola. They're not. From what we've heard, not talking to him either. Jim Caldwell, Max threw out there, not him either. Um, At least not yet. (laughs) It's been four weeks. But Vance Joseph is the one that people don't want to talk about. Wolf and I have talked about it a little bit. I guess I'll start here, Howard. Um, For me, as I'm starting to look back on this, like I said before, I think Dan Quinn is is maybe the one that, that stings the most because you wouldn't have to give up the picks that you had to give up for Sean Payton, and I don't think Sean Payton necessarily ever wanted to come here anyway. Maybe it was just a leverage play. Brian Flores is the other one I wanted out of those top three, but once you get past that, none of these guys on this list have any head coaching experience except Vance Joseph. Right. So where do you come out on Vance Joseph? Because I got to be honest, and you can't make a decision based on this. I get that. But if the Cardinals announce in a week, hey, you know, the guy we wanted all along was here all along. It was Vance Joseph. That's not going to be received well by the fan base. And that's not a knock on Vance.
1: No, it, it probably won't be especially because of the whole thing about casting the wide net and all those things. It also doesn't mean you can't cast a wide net and then come to the conclusion that he's the best choice for the job. And it doesn't mean that any of the other guys wouldn't be good head coaches, but they also come with a special set of circumstances. And one of the reasons why I could see Vance Joseph making sense Is because he knows the organization, he knows the pitfalls, he knows the players, and you would have a certain amount, not a certain amount, you'd have continuity within at least the way the defense plays. And here's the intriguing part. Because we were talking earlier, Luke, about what I've seen is different people being interviewed for offensive offensive coordinator openings around the league. And a lot of them are quarterbacks coaches. Or I saw one of tight ends coach being interviewed somewhere. And those are guys you're wondering, well, how will they be as offensive coordinators? How will they be as play callers? You just don't know. Well, there's two young guys, and I don't know what Vance Joseph thinks of these guys. But there are two young guys on the Cardinals staff right now. Cam Turner and Spencer Whipple, they were both co-passing game coordinators last year under Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not sure if they had the title the year before or not. But last year, they were at least co-passing game coordinators, and Turner was also the quarterback's coach. And the quarterback's coach is crucial in all this because that's the guy who really works on a day-to-day basis with the quarterback. And from people I talk to, they consider those guys... I'm not, I don't want to overstate and say rising stars, but they're guys that are rising in the league. And Whipple, let's remember, was the guy who called the plays. He's one of those, the head coach basically. When, when, when Kingsbury couldn't coach because of COVID against the Browns in the 2020 season. So, if Vance Joseph has said, hey, I like those guys, I think those are, they're, they're rising guys, we'll have continuity in the offense, we don't have to learn a new offense. Now, they'll put their own tweaks on it, but you know, the one aspect of all this, with Kyler Murray, is that if it's someone else, he's going to, in addition to not being able to pr- practice until October, probably, he's going to be learning a new system. And it's not, j- and, and I, know, I know certain schemes are are, are Interchangeable plays are interchangeable, but it's a different language. Every offensive coordinator has his own language of what the plays are called, and that's there's a there's obviously a certain amount of time that it takes to master all that, so you could have some continuity throughout if if that was the move you made and believe it's the best decision.
2: So there's a couple things with that and one of them we're going to get into a little bit later on in the show because it, it does keep popping up and I referenced it briefly earlier but uh, Doff Kleiman just uh, tweeted it out as well it's from Pro Football Network and it's talking about, I'll just read you Kleiman's tweet he says the reason the Cardinals head coaching search is taking a long time to fill is related to Kyler Murray's contract per Pro Football Network and the quote he pulled from the story and again we're going to get deeper into this later on in the show is quote many of the dis- desired candidates don't want to take the job knowing they'll be tied to the hip of Murray for the next four seasons, unquote. So there's a lot to dive into yeah. right there. And if that's truly happening, that's not great. That's really not great because everything then, I know everything hinges on your franchise quarterback anyway, but now it's like everything hinges on Kyler Murray. If you go with Vance Joseph... And again, I just keep saying the caveat. I think Vance Joseph deserves a chance to be a head coach somewhere again. I don't think he got the best opportunity in Denver. But if you go with him, your fan base is going to look and say what I just said of like, wow, all this, you did all this for four weeks, i bring in Sean Payton, this, that, and we're just going with the same group. But the other thing is, there's going to be this feeling of okay this is a throwaway season. You just you bring Vance back cuz he's already under contract and a year from now we're going to do this again <laughs> unless he can work magic with a backup quarterback. I mean that perception is going to be out there yeah. again fair or not. And and you can't make a decision as an owner based on the perception from the fan base. But <laughs> I just, I really hope this uh, this line from this story isn't true that, that coaches that you want are like, I don't want to go there and coach either Kyler or be tied to Kyler's contract. And you and I got into it a little bit earlier on this. So, like, if, if just using Brian Flores as an example, if you're Brian Flores and you're like, okay, so if I come in and I can't win with Kyler Murray the first two years and he's missing half the first one, I get fired and you right. just stick with Kyler or do you have a plan? And that's. The question
1: right now. No, it, it totally like. is. And on Vance's, in fairness to him, he might be, you know, he's been asked this several times over the last couple of years about another job and, you know, what do you want to coach again? And he's always insinuated that it's all about the right fit. Yeah. And he knows, we know he didn't have a quarterback when he was in Denver. How would he feel about that? Does, does he really believe that, okay, maybe this will be my last shot and I've got to, you know, you know, take a swing at it and, help, and hope that it, it can be made right with Kyler. And, and when he comes back, he stays healthy. And so it's, you know, it's tough to say. I, I think it's more than just the contract with Kyler in terms of what the issues is, are with, with other coaches. But I, it's definitely there. We talked about it earlier. One other quick point, Luke, is this. Is it odd with all, there's a lot of teams interviewing guys for defensive coordinator openings. Vance Joseph's name has never been mentioned. And he is under contract. The Cardinals don't have to allow him. Well, actually, they would. Well, no, they wouldn't have to allow him to talk to another team about a lateral move. And so, are they protecting that or pre- protecting themselves in case that is the guy they decide to hire? But, you know, th- this could, you know, hurt, hurt Vance in the long run and maybe there'll still be dc jobs there if he doesn't get this head coaching job but he's not in the mix now getting interviews with teams that are looking for one
2: no the only um the only thing we've even heard of that is um I'm trying to find the exact 49ers. Yeah, well, Michael Silver. Michael Silver had a tweet right before the show today. It said, "I believe the 49ers are one of the teams that would have interest in Joseph as DC if he were to be let out of his Cardinals contract." But there's a lot of ifs and I believes, and you know that's that's not. Hey, the Niners are scheduling an interview with Vance. It's I believe the Niners are one of the teams that would have interest in Joseph as D.C. if he were to be let out of his Cardinals contract. So Vance Joseph's kind of in, like, coaching limbo right
1: Yeah, he now. is. He totally is. And it happens a lot of times to guys who are on the staff of a team that had its head coach fired when, they, when they're still under contract. All
2: right, speaking of San Francisco, because this relates directly to the Cardinals going forward, what exactly is the future of their quarterback position? We'll go through the latest NFL news next. It's Wolf and Luke Howard Balls are in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports.
0: Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: I do wonder, too, how are balls written for Wolf today? It's Wolf and Luke really have not heard Jim Harbaugh's name at all, as far as the Cardinals. No, not at all. I mean, he's got experience. He's got good experience. Things might get ugly, but <laughs> <laughs> he's got good experience. Do you want to win, or do you want to be comfortable,
1: right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure there would be a fit there, organizationally, but who knows? Boy, I'd be entertained. Whew. Um, going around
2: the NFL, the, uh, the 49ers trying, it feels like every offseason the 49ers are being asked to shed light on their quarterback situation. Let's start here. This I believe is the obvious one, but Kyle Shanahan on Jimmy G coming back.
0: Scenario which you guys can see Jimmy being back. And if so, what, what would that look? Like? No, I don't see any scenario that...
1: Any that was, scenario. That was a little more definitive yeah, than in here. Yeah, past. he wasn't even saying, well, if we find out that the that Brock's injury is a little bit longer than we thought, maybe, but no. Because the guy's going to be a free agent. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big difference from last year. A, Garoppolo had shol- shoulder surgery in March last year, but he was also under contract to the 49ers. Now he's not. He's a free agent. And so they, they can't control. Now, I mean, who's to say what happens? Suppose he doesn't sign with anybody. I would doubt that's going to happen. But there's going to be crazy musical chairs with quarterbacks mm-hmm. this offseason. And so we, you know, we'll, see, we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, the Purdy thing is, you know, is a big one. It's, it's a big one. And all indications are, and you never really know until they get into the elbow to do the surgery. But what Kyle Shanahan said yesterday at his end-of-season press conference is everything we've been told is that it looks like from the MRIs and everything that this is a six-month injury, but he will be full go in six months and that he can begin throwing on a, what do you call it, a graduated basis, on mm-hmm. a very careful basis, he can begin throwing and doing some things after three months. And so he wouldn't be in OTAs, but he'd be ready for training camp, and and Trey Lance is supposedly going to be ready for OTAs. And what Shanahan said yesterday basically was, "Hey, this is the way I see the quarterback room being." Now they're going to add a, a couple of other guys, obviously for training camp. But it, he didn't. He didn't. They didn't send John Lynch. Was there too? They didn't sound at, at all to be thinking. Oh, we're going to. Well, no, we're not going to be looking for another veteran or another this or another that. These are our two guys. Now, if they find out something different after the Purdy surgery, that could change things. But if it is what they believe it is. They're they're going forward with those two guys as the main ones going into uh, going into next July. Yeah, well, and that's the best case scenario.
2: And you know, I I I, the Brock Purdy story is a good one. I I would hate to see like I don't want the Niners to have success, so I'm torn here. But I don't want to I don't want to like that that. Tweet by Dolph Kleiman yesterday where he was talking to and uh, see if I can pull it up here, where he was talking to Dr. Mark Atkins, a notable orthopedic surgeon as he described him. And he said uh, Tommy John surgery expected to miss about a year, according to that guy. Now he he followed it up and said, This is just this one guy's opinion. You know, it doesn't it's not the team saying it. I'm not reporting this. But if it's anything like that, if it's anything more than six months, it's not like Brock Purdy is he's not Joe Burrow a few years ago coming back from an ACL and it's like I think he tore a couple things actually in his knee but it's like the second you come back the job's yours Joe like if Brock Purdy starts missing games next year before he can come back he might not start again you know and and I don't know if you're San Francisco. Do you just go in and say, okay, we're going to have an open competition between Trey Lance and whoever else is there? Do you just say it's Lance and Purdy and you look at your history and you seem to have injuries at that position every single year if you're the 49ers? I just, for, for the guy to come in, never lose a game other than this past Sunday when he really didn't play in the game. It's crazy to think that he might not even be the starter next year. He probably will be, but
1: he might not be. He might not be. No, you're, you're 100% right. And I don't know if that other doctor qualified it, saying that that could be the case, because that's what pretty much everyone has said. If it's, if, if it's more serious, then it could be Tommy John surgery, and then it could be a year, but... Like 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 everyone's saying, is all the MRIs and everything has indicated that it won't be. And there's another guy he called, he called the sports doc, Doctor David Chow, who used to be a that team doctor for the Chargers he has a website, and he 's pretty darn accurate, not communicating with the times because he gives me some some good info and he gave me the info Luke that I had mentioned early uh, some time ago about Kyler also having the torn meniscus that some people tried to downplay and Dr. Chow said no don't downplay that because that can affect the beginning stages of the recovery and he called that purdy's injury was that uh, was it ulna ulna collateral ligament? I think it was. Yeah. He called that during the game, just watching it. He 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 called that. That's what it was. And he has come out and saying it could be longer in six months. But if it's you know just what they think it is, then he should be okay. But he did qualify it and say if they find out something a lot worse, it could be Tommy John. So they'll they'll find out that when he goes under the knife, whenever that ends up being.
2: Well, it's just it's crazy because of his situation. It's like it's got to be six months. It can't be right seven months you know what i mean yeah
1: he missed the whole the whole month of august basically and he needs
2: that month of august more than like just an established starter on a team that just went to the nfc championship would would typically need uh there was also talk and and not surprisingly the 49ers are one of the teams that would be in favor of this of just having a way where you can carry three quarterbacks um I don't really see the downside to that, at least in the playoffs. And and I'm not saying, hey, expand the roster to 54, and you know some teams might use that as an extra linebacker. And there's no no strategy. You get an extra quarterback, nothing else. You can't you can't shift that position to having a a, you know a seventh receiver or something. But what we watched on Sunday was brutal to watch a team. And it's not like they lost their first and their second string in the game. They lost their third and their fourth. And then you're just watching... I mean, that that was one of the worst meaningful football games I have ever watched. And I get you don't want to overreact because it's not like that happens every year. And it feels like every year after the conference championships, there's always some rule that
1: needs to be changed. But um, that seems like a simple solution. It is, I think it is. And they had that rule in place more than a decade ago. And then it went away mainly because... A, teams didn't have third quarterbacks and they weren't dressing the guy anyway and there were very few instances where it happened. Well, so so be it. Here's, here's why, I, why I think it would be good for the game overall, even if you never use it. But like you said, have a 54th player. The every, that 54th player has to be a quarterback. Most of the time it's going to be a, a young guy who's on minimum salary. And so, in addition to having that fail safe, that he is available to play in a game if you need it, he's also learning. You know, a lot of teams say, well, we'll put the third guy in. Some teams, they'll put the third guy in the practice squad, which sometimes they do. But then all of a sudden, they get three injuries at cornerback or something, and they don't have enough corners to practice during the week, and the quarterback's off the practice squad because yeah. they have to sign somebody else. So just make this of that it has to be a quarterback. And then you're developing young guys, and you're giving them a chance to go to meetings, be on the field, do scout team, whatever it might be, just be around the game, and that's good for developing quarterbacks. So I think it has a two-pronged, positive development for for doing that. And I think, like I said, the reason they ended it is because teams weren't keeping the third quarterback and they hardly ever used it, but as Kyle Shanahan said yesterday when he was asked about it, he says, I was afraid of this when they went away from that rule. And I'm sure they went away from it because it just didn't happen that often, but hey, that that like you said that was painful to watch, and it just made it just man a conference championship game, and you don 't you know you 're forced to put back in the game a guy who can 't throw the ball more than five it, yards. yeah i mean
2: he couldn 't even like it because it looked like in that third quarter it was like They're just kind of running out the clock on themselves. They're just running up the middle. They're, you know, running McCaffrey through one pass, but it was nowhere near anybody. But like, it felt like they were just like, we're not even going to try to throw.
1: And here's another thing to look at, too, in terms of quarterback availability. I mean, Josh Johnson left the game because he hit his head on the ground. And was put in concussion protocol. The way the league is being overly safe with that now, and removing guys from the game, even sometimes if they're not even sure they had a concussion, but they show this, you know, instability, and they're out of the game. There's more chance of that happening and affecting a quarterback being taken out of the yeah, game. Yeah,
2: it's more likely a guy might get pulled for that. You're yeah, right. yeah, hundred percent. Like, what would have happened if? Okay, so let's let's say. Let's say Purdy gets hurt in the third quarter, and Josh Johnson gets hurt in the fourth quarter, and somehow the the, the game is like tied when they it's go really like, close, yeah. Because I mean, the first quarter of that game was was pretty even, and somehow the Forty ers like win that game, and you're going into the Super Bowl now, and Purdy's not playing, and you know we don't know what Josh Johnson, but let's just say Josh Johnson wasn't able to play the Super Bowl either. You just picking up Ryan Fitzpatrick to be your quarterback in the Super Bowl? like what, I mean, they, they don't
1: have any quarterbacks Maybe, left. yeah. It could have been possible. And you mentioned close in the first quarter. It was close at the end of the second quarter uh-huh. when, when Johnson fumbled that snap, and it led to a touchdown and had him behind by two touchdowns. And then, of course, he got hurt in the third quarter. So, yeah, I mean, that. that who knows? I mean, I heard some rumors this week. It was so crazy. P- people were creating a story that the Chiefs, with all these injuries to the receivers, might sign Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Right, Bring him who hasn't played football in a year Saw that. Right? <laughs> and bring him on to a team and well put him on the practice squad, see what he's got. Well <laughs> I guess crazier things a- have happened. But yeah, a team, would, is. yeah a team would have to do that with the quarterback. I mean
2: that if the 49ers had somehow managed to win that game, they would have basically have had to assign two quarterbacks going into the Super Bowl, one to be the starter and one to be the backup. Unless I mean they may have a guy on their practice squad, but I don't know. That was just that was a weird scenario. When we come back, Devin Booker is inching closer to a return. He's rounding third in his own words, so is this exactly what the Sons need exactly when they need it. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.